Yeah. Uh, if you got a Bible, grab it, and uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 1 this morning, Philippians chapter 1. We are uh, continuing a look through uh, the year that has been drunken on fire and talking about our response for really what has been thrown at the church, been thrown at us individually, been thrown at our culture. How does the church respond? What is our response? And from a biblical perspective, we are to continue to live counterculture. And I want us to look at a character of God that is found in Philippians chapter 1. But because I love you so much, um, I, I thought we would uh, look at some more memes this morning. Now, my wife said I couldn't do it every week. She didn't say, however, I couldn't do it every other week. So... Just to kind of give you a glimpse of how this year, if you've been living under a rock, just how this year has gone. Um, everyone loves Nickelback. No? Nobody? I, I, I love this one. Look at this COVID graph. Every time it makes... Now you get it. Okay, what's this next meme right here? This is just a look at uh, 2020. How many of my office fans are in the building? Okay, the rest of you need to get saved and watch The Office. It's... It's not a spiritual show, but this is Toby. Wait a minute, go back. I'm not done with Toby. Everyone needs a Toby in your life. The Debbie Downer, the Eeyore, the guy that just crashes the party. If COVID-19 or if 2020 was a person to be Toby. All right, what's the next meme? And then I better get into the word. Yeah, how I pictured myself during the apocalypse. You know, this guy probably got chiseled abs. You know, he's just real cut. And then the real you, the big Deborah you. Y'all ever, y'all see that meme too? I forgot to get that one. Little Deborah, and then 2020 got Little Deborah to Big Deborah, and it's like the Little Debbie lady, and then she's like 4,000 pounds heavier. Anyway, that's enough of the memes. All right, all right, here we go. I want to look at this passage, and I want us to identify something that's happening in here, and it's really a character of God, and it's something in our, our doctrine that we believe is is really endurance, uh, preservation, really, perseverance. In 2020, we'd call it grit. But let's read. I want to pick it up in verse 3 to get a sense of what's happening in context of what the Scripture is saying. So Philippians chapter 1, actually, we'll go, yeah. I thank my God, in verse 3, and all my remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness. How I yearn, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory 
and praise of God. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that your word brings life. I ask, God, that you would sanctify us in the truth of your word, because your word is truth, God. For every person here, every person watching, whether that's in our area or people watching across the country, Lord, would you just pour out your grace and, and just remind us of this encouragement that is so evident in this scripture. I thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to just kind of present an idea because if you're like me, you may be asking a question, what does this have to do with living counterculture? And by living counterculture, I think I've said this every week, that is the call of the church to live counter the way culture is living. Culture may be up in flames today, Culture may be telling you one way to do life. Culture may be telling you that this is how uh, you are to live. Culture may be telling you and painting this picture of how they present life, but realistically that's counter the gospel and the biblical worldview of how we are to respond. And how and what does this have to do, this particular passage? with living counterculture, because this is a call of endurance of the church. But we'll get into that a little later. Let me give you a context, if I can, set this scene up for us this morning. Paul is a missionary here, but he would go to larger areas. He would plant churches, and he planted this church in Philippi. And after the missionaries had settled in here in Philippi, they were arrested. When Paul exercised not his body, but a demon from a girl, slave girl, because her masters aroused opposition against the preachers. And so they were beaten, thrown in prison, and yet Paul and Silas, you guys probably remember the story in Acts, they were praising God and singing hymns, and God opened up the doors miraculously with an earthquake. And so this event in this evening, uh, this evening set the stage of the conver- conversion of the jailer and his household. And thus, from this event, we could assume that a church was planted here. And we get a gl- glimpse of Paul's deep, affectionate love for these people. Did you guys not see this affectionate love that he has for these people when Paul says, I yearn for you. Anybody been yearning for me lately? If you have, I would probably put you into a category of needing immediate assistance. You've been yearning for the church gathering? Come on, let's be straight here this morning. I got somebody up in here this morning that's been yearning like some Paul. But the reality is most of us, we're just not yearning for it. We're not yearning for these deep gospel-centered relationships that Paul has. Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way for you. Not in a creepy way. I would probably think it's creepy because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers of this grace that has been bestowed upon us, both in my imprisonment 
and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's a deep love that Paul has for his church. Now, I would just throw this out there, not a not throwing shade or anything, maybe a kick in the shins is probably a polite way of saying it. The majority of us just do not view the church gathering in this deep, affectionate way that Paul here is presenting. The church of today is viewed more as just this thing on the side that we get to do or that we have to do, rather. Nothing that we are affectionately yearning for. Again, not to like shit on you or, or to point my finger at you. Maybe just a subtle kick in the shins. Maybe this is what the scripture is doing for us. Are we yearning for this? And so Paul, Paul here gives this verse in here. He throws verse 6 in there, which I love this verse. I mean, you, you may have it like splattered somewhere in your house or something because this is a really good verse. This verse that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's really this enduring verse that God gives us here. There's a few things that I want to just kind of pick apart from this verse if I can in our time together that God starts this work. And that's really good news for us. That's good news because you didn't start the work. Because we've seen some of the works y'all started. Let me rephrase that this morning. Y'all have seen some of the works that I've started, all right? But thank God that I didn't start this work in me, because if I started this work in me, then I surely wouldn't have finished it. If you started the work in your life, then it wouldn't last long. It would be based off of you and your ability. And let me just subtly say, that's not going to last long, but who starts the work in the scripture? God starts this work, and this work in particular, it was not a beautiful start. Cast out a demon-possessed girl, y'all. Exercise the demons. And that was really not flying high on their radar, or it was flying high on their radar because this girl was bringing in some cash for them. So it affected their deep pockets. And so they're like, who is this Paul guy? I mean, so, so out of the gate in this church, there's trouble. And it's not a pretty start. It's not how I or you or anyone should start a church. I got an idea. Let's go cast out a demon. And out of the demon-possessed girl, we'll go plant a church with her. Ain't never one of y'all ever thought about that. And I guarantee you this morning, that is not in any of the strategic handbooks on how to plant a church. Step number one, find a girl who's demon-possessed and cast out the demon. It's not on today's strategy list, planting a church. But who starts this work? God starts this work. And this work is messy. And this work from the outside just does not look like it's a good idea. And all the strategic planners are probably telling God, this ain't good. Because the guy you're using is going to end up in prison. But God starts this work. And it's an ugly and messy work. And that's, that's good news. You know why that's good news? Because some of us thought that 2020... It's going to be the year for me. <laughs> and then 2020 happened. Got drunk 
and on flames. And praise God, we made it to September. I thought I'd have an amen right there, but y'all quiet for sure this morning. If I were in a charismatic church, the organ player would be playing right now and a praise break would be going on right now because we made it to September. (laughs) And from the outset, 2020 thought, or we thought, that this was going to be a better year. But then it happened. And here's what I would suggest. As messy and chaotic as it has been, God started it. I know that's a deep theological issue that some of you may have with that. But who started this year like it is? Who allowed it to happen? I did. He, he allowed the chaos. That, that's the sovereign view of God. He started this mess. And so if he started it, that's good news. And some of us right now, our lives look like that. Chaos. Mess. But friends, be encouraged because that's exactly where God wants you. If you don't believe me, look at Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a mess. It was without form. But who started it like that? God did. So if God starts this this mess, then what what happens? He's going to complete it. But look at this, this good work that he's saying here. God's work in you, this is good work. This is good work. So nothing God starts is random or just... You know, I think I'll start 2020 off in shambles. Just randomly do that. Just throw a curveball in everybody. I don't think God would randomly do that. It's not how God operates. God is intentional about everything that he does. And, hear me, everything that he does is good. Now, I know again that throws like a theological conundrum for us. Everything that God starts is good. And the work that he starts within you is also good. And if you and I were straight this morning, the work that we are doing for God, it should be good work. It should be God-honoring work. God-honoring work within us. That's what God did in us. And that should be going out of us. God honoring work, good work that God is doing in us. Because look what Paul says in verse 9. We get a little bit more uh, glimpse of what this good work looks like. And it is my prayer that your love may what? Bound, abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And he says it again. Filled, this good work, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. 
to the glory and praise of God. So Paul here is praying for the good works to be stirred in their hearts. And it's not going to be, hear me now, your good works, but God's righteous work inside of you. It's not your good works, but Jesus Christ's righteousness that was placed on you. Good works. Again, takes this load off of us. And then he says, and God will complete his work in you. He is faithful to complete, which means he's not finished. And so here, here's, here's this good news. God started this, this year. God started something in your life, but it turns out it's a little bit more chaotic and confusing than you would have, would have liked. And you may have said that 2020, we're all doomed. Really? Is this, is this all we get, God? Is this it, Lord? I wouldn't ask that question in 2020, by the way, because Godzilla's probably going to come out of the Gulf of Mexico at any moment now. You probably ask that question, like, is this it? And then a question that we ask when, when we're going through something, like, oh, so, so you started this, oh, this. So, so God, you started this. Is this it, God? It's a question of contentment. That's what that is, a question of contentment. We are worldly discontented because we are searching for satisfaction in all the wrong things. We'll always think that there must be more. We're searching for power, searching for pleasure, whatever that is. And we keep searching for it. And when we think we found it, it doesn't satisfy us. Worldly discontentment. And this is a question of purpose, the question of God's will for your life. Is this it? What are you doing, God? Is this all you got for us? And this isn't about spiritual discontentment because we should always have a hunger for more of God in our lives. It's a question that we ask. Is this it, God? And the question is being answered right in front of us. God, you've, you've made this mess. Is this, is this it? Is this how it ends for us? God, you've, you've called us to do this, and is, and is this what we get? But I just refuse to believe that this is it. I refuse to believe that in your life right now, your situation, that that is it. I just refuse to believe that because of this scripture. That if God has started something inside of you, and despite the fact that it looks like a big pile of mess... God is faithful and he will complete the work that he has started inside of you. So I refuse to believe that for all of the relationships that right now are suffering because of everything 2020 has thrown their way, I will refuse to believe that this is it for you. 
Because God's not finished. We're all looking for the end product. But God's just like, look, find me here right now in the process. I'm here in the mess and in the chaos. Is this it for you? No. Because as long as you have breath in your lungs, as long as as you are going and moving, God's not done with you. Why? Because he's faithful. There have been moments in the life of this church where I thought, that's it. Honey, we're going to shut the doors now. God constantly reminded me, this ain't your church, boy, sit down. This is God's church. And just like our lives, like I've thought that so many times in situations, like, God, maybe cancel with somebody, or walk through people and suffering. I would even say it in my mind, like, oh, dear God, this is it for this poor person. But I'm not God, thankfully. God wasn't done. He is not done. So let me ask a question. Like, what does this have to do with counterculture? Living counterculture. It has everything to do with it. It's about perseverance. It's about endurance. And it's not about you enduring. It's about God enduring you. This is what we call uh, the preservation of the saints is a doctrine that we use this for. That God in this mess is preserving you. That God in this chaos is allowing you to endure this. So in a face where culture would say this, oh, boo-boo, you're going through something that ain't right. Then, honey, just drop it. Oh, boo-boo, you know, you, you know, because ca- culture wants to cancel everything, and they, they, they'll want to cancel, like, your bad situation. Oh, that church ain't doing you right. Just go find another one, honey. And that, and that has that's crept up into the church. Something ain't going our way. And even in our relationships with friends and with with all things in life, with jobs, with all of this. The moment hardships come and we feel like we're pounding against a wall, what is our initial thought? Oh, God wouldn't have me in this. So I'll just leave. But living counterculture means that we as believers are to endure. And I ain't telling you to endure a physical abusive situation. I'm just saying in general, for most of us here, when things get tough, my knee-jerk reaction is to be like, I'm going to drop this person because they're getting on my nerves. But Christ will sustain us. And we will endure because of that. Because Christ will sustain me. Because Christ will preserve me. And though it looks like it's tough, be encouraged. 
God is going to allow you to endure whatever this situation is. Going through financial situations, it's tough. God will give us the strength to endure. Going through relational issues is tough, but God give us the strength to endure this. There is the promise of God that what he starts in our souls, he intends to finish. In a face where culture tells us, jump ship, leave, abandon, go. There's a call for the church to endure, to persevere. Why would Paul tell them that God is going to complete the work that he started. If Paul really isn't condemning these Philippians for anything, what is he saying? Give you a broad brushstroke of what's happening. Paul is most likely writing this letter about 10 years after his visit there, and he's with his boy, Timothy. This is probably about 62 A.D. Paul's in house arrest in Rome. He's probably at the last year or two of his own life. Paul is at the end of his life, and he knows this. In fact, remember, he tells, tells the elders of Ephesus that he's leaving them to go where death awaits. Rome, where pain Hardship awaits where God sovereignly moves him into. And so it's like this proud dad moment. And he's writing back to his kids almost. It's like, man, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys just hang in there. Because God's not done with your story. It's like this proud dad moment, you know? When you can look at your child and you're like, man, I'm so proud of you. You just keep doing it. You, you keep going. It's exactly what it seems like Paul is doing here. This work that God is doing through you guys, which there were no believers when it started. And now this church is growing. And it's like this Pastor Paul looking back at these wonderful kids of his. And he's like, man, I'm so proud of you guys. Don't stop. Keep going because the work that God is doing in and through you God is doing it don't stop because the tendency is to go on cruise control Paul's like man don't don't do that keep going could keep pressing keep pushing the gospel out don't stop what work God has started inside of you. That's what Paul is telling them. And I wonder if Paul would tell us the same thing here. Keep going, church. Don't let mediocrity be the death of you. Don't become the church that just sets itself on cruise control. Don't become the church that's just okay with how things are. Keep pressing, keep moving, keep doing this good work that God has started in you. And I wonder if Paul would tell Refuge Point, the church, the same thing. Keep 
going. Do not let mediocrity be the death of us. Do not let contentment be the thing that locks our doors. Do not let comfort and convenience and personal preferences, but keep doing the hard work that God has started inside of you. And keep pressing and keep going out in the hood and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep going out into the corridors of West Point, Georgia and telling them about the love of Jesus. Keep pressing to all nations. Why? Because God has started a work inside of us, Refuge Point, and He's not done with us yet. And He will be faithful to complete this work. I don't know why I'm yelling so much this morning. Y'all just pray for me. I just, I'm, I know I had to catch my breath because I was yelling too much. I just know God has a lot for us. And I just don't want us to set ourselves on cruise control. God has started something within you. He will be faithful to complete it. This is God enduring us. This is God preserving you and I in the midst of a year that has seemed like it is drunk and on flames. God will preserve his church. We will endure until the end. Let's pray this morning.